Hello, hello, hello. I am dead excited for this one. Do you see what I did there? That's a little bit of a pun, yeah. But, um... <laughs> hello. Yeah, I mean, we could have just said hello and welcome to the White Deer Filmmaking Podcast. We could have, and in order to be as professional as we would like, and we would like to be far more professional, we should have We should hire person. someone else. Oh. 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 oh, okay, okay. Well, hello I'm, there. I mean oh, in oh. terms of both of us. Like, oh, right, We okay. should both be replaced. <laughs> well, by, by zombies. Uh, if you want to keep on linking it back to what we're actually meant to be talking about, yeah, I guess so. Why the blooming hell not? Um, oh, is that going to get flagged? Um, anyway, hello there. I'm Mark Wisdom, and I'm sat with my good friend Adam Sandy. Um, and today we are talking to the principal crew behind a film called Dead Air, which is a very special one as it won uh, not only a bi-monthly award at our festival, but also an annual award at our festival. Um, It won for Best East Midland Short, which to us is a very, very important one because we are from the East Midlands and we did literally this entire festival uh, to promote films from the East Midlands. So this film is quite, uh, we're quite fond of this one. Um, we're speaking to Jordan Dean, the director. Uh, Duncan, I don't n- quite remember how he pronounced it, but McLeod, uh, did he say? Something like that. Yeah, yeah sorry, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember, but feel free to correct me um, as urgently as you would like to. Um, but yes, Duncan and Dan Flanders, um, who both DP'd and Duncan has the writing credit but he will openly say that it was a collaborative effort but we'll say that Uh, Dan was also art director um, fairly reluctantly but obviously we get to that in the interview Um, really really interesting talk with them Um, you could say that about literally every team but I really like the fact that they they uh, started quite roughly life and in this creative uh, filmmaking world after they'd already become corporate filmmakers and doing very good at that and deciding they wanted to explore the creative side for various different reasons as we go into that when we talk to them but a lot of people that we speak to a lot of the directors do have a, a side gig or a money paying gig in corporate filmmaking but these guys are fully into it that for a long time is just what they were doing to a degree um less so for 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 jordan for example but i just find it interesting i i I find it the almost the opposite of what we've seen before which adds a massive shift in perspective to some other teams that we've spoken to i don't know if you felt the same at all adam with that yes cool uh, <laughs> i'm um, trying to uh re- just stay quiet uh, for as little as for as long as possible um in this intro i think i'm really gonna start talking in the outro ah uh, okay i'm curious to see why um so shall we get to it yep brilliant well enjoy hello guys uh thanks so much for joining us um uh, well, uh, we've already introduced you in our little intro section, uh, but feel free to say hello yourselves. Um, and also, I don't, if you don't mind, could one of you uh, just briefly introduce the film that we're talking about today, Dead Air, and just a little bit about it so we have context for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Duncan McLeod, and I'm 
the writer slash uh, joint DP and joint gaffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Dan, uh, also joint gaffer, joint DP, uh, editor, and bizarrely uh, art director on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our guys. I'll definitely ask some questions on that a little bit of art direction, I think. So. And I'm Jordan, and I'm the director of Dead Air, and I'll let Duncan um, give a brief synopsis of the film since he wrote it. Excellent. Sure, yeah. So uh, Dead Air focuses uh, around a night in the life of Lester Carrington, who is a late-night disc jockey for a nonsense local radio station. His life is turned upside down after his viewership, uh, is, sorry, his listenership of four turns into a listenership of over 100, over 1,000 due to uh, zombie-related events that might happen <laughs> to him throughout the night. Yeah. That's... Um... Yeah, I mean that's it's the uh, the most intriguing summary I think. I mean, it's I feel quite privileged to have watched the film, and congratulations on the award, by the way. Um, it is it was a pleasure to watch it. Um, it's certainly one of those films that is so like it just really stands out. It's it's original, and uh, I think it was just because it's so different. Like you don't get like radio. Um, presenters covered much at all so that was uh, really interesting and then mixing it with what was um, quite an unusual scenario I think um, we, we, we'd really said um, when we were sort of looking at the um, the film and watching it before um, how sort of I think I think it captured that kind of quirky British comedy yeah, oh absolutely yeah and I think that that was uh, was what really stood out for us I think it was it was it was pretty fantastic in that sense um, that you are both gripped and entertained throughout the entire piece. Uh, I thought it was really strong. It was a really strong mm. film. Definitely had been one of my favourites. So, yeah. Mm. That's, yeah, that's really good to hear. Yeah. We were obviously really excited about the idea when we came up with it um, to film it. But you can definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. It's definitely quirky British humour in some senses, mm. like dark British comedy. Um, and I'm sure you You've probably noticed various references to um, or influences from various other zombie films or British <laughs> influences. Oh, definitely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so well, I mean, on the, that, was, yeah, were you going to ask about inspiration? Yeah. <laughs> where, where did the idea come from? Um, uh, so it actually, so even though I'm credited as, as the writer on the film, obviously with a lot of small productions you have to be really collaborative with the rest of your team to make sure everyone's on board with the same ideas uh so the idea actually came out of a pub trip between the three of us myself jordan and dan um we went to the pub and um to give you a bit of context about what we do is we uh do corporate video um the rest of the year round but we really wanted to get something a bit more i don't know creative um like sink our teeth into something a bit more creative. Mm. And so we um, were co- trying to drum up ideas on how we can create some sort of very low budget um, uh, short film, which we can be really um, kind of show off our talents um, as much as we can, but obviously within a budget of nothing pretty much. <laughs> and so um, we drummed up some ideas and then Dan, who... Um, works for Takeover, well, volunteers at Takeover Radio in Leicester, has access to a lot of sound recording um, or radio equipment. 
um, which we then started coming up with ideas of how we could really um, use that within the, in, a, in a film. That turned into, well, we've only got the budget probably for one actor, so maybe we should focus it all out one actor. We'll try and reuse the same location. So how about we set it all either in one night or right. over a, a series of nights within the same place. And I'm not entirely sure where the zombie element came into it, but we just thought, obviously, if he's getting influence from outside callers, maybe some sort of dramatic event is happening outside the radio station, which he could Mm. broadcast on. Um, And then therefore we um, kind of, I suppose, maybe maybe it's our influences. Zombie was like one of the main kind of things we went, yes, (laughs) let's go for that. And after chatting about it a little bit more, uh, I think we came up with the idea of... uh, uh, calling it Dead Air, which um, was kind of like sealed it. We were like, well, that's a perfect title for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it all worked brilliantly. Um, and the funny uh, thing uh, with, with zombies as well, not necessarily the cheapest thing to pull off. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's another thing of most zombies. I mean, obviously, quite a few zombie films that you get the, a big fan base for zombie films. Um, and a lot of people potentially wanting or willing to come come in for free to be extras for the day um, and get dressed up in zombie makeup. People just love it. So I suppose we could have gone down that route and it would have been relatively cheap. But as I mentioned before, we tried to make it on as little a budget as possible. So even having extras, um, we probably we just thought it maybe just cut down on that altogether and just have one main actor and then obviously mm. uh, a few, well, quite a few um, people phone in. Mm, yes absolutely um how, how did you uh, manage to get um the actor that you did because it's, it's quite a well-known figure in the end um simon so how did that come about um we put out a search for um on mandy and various mm. other kind of casting platforms mm. and i think we kind of underestimated kind of what we needed in terms of a, a radio dj we thought It'd be a lot. It'd be quite easy for an actor to be able to have that persona of a radio DJ. Um, mm. But then, you, with the tapes we were getting in, you quickly realise that the voice is so iconic. You know, you need yeah. somebody who has that radio voice, and it's not an easy thing to just be able to to create as an actor. Mm. Um, and yeah, I ended up um, a friend of mine. Um, his partner um, is the daughter of Simon, who ended up playing Lester. And he's never acted before. Uh, he's done a bit of TV, but never kind of uh, dramatic acting. Mm. And he just sent me a, a showreel and instantly, as soon as we heard the voice, um, we just kind of thought, well, that's perfect. And be, with, being a director, I, I thought, I can work with him on the performance side. The thing that I can't work with is I can't work on somebody getting that radio voice. That needs to be natural. So as long as we have that, I can work on performance with him and make him feel comfortable you know, around cameras and on the set and stuff. And yeah, it ended up just being a bit of a dream to work with him. And uh, he came in, like I say, it was his first film and he just kind of hit the ground running and, you know, took on direction really well, was collaborative. Um, and being a, being in the set, you know, it, it made him feel a lot more comfortable because it was just like his day job, you know, every morning mm. when he's broadcasting, he's mm. twiddling the knobs and, you know, lining up tracks and stuff. So all of that kind of, all of the action of it, came really natural um to him brilliant oh brilliant yeah um it's uh how long was the the shoot itself uh was it quite demanding in terms of p- 
people being on in like in that one location or that principal location quite a while. It wasn't too bad. It was a four day shoot, um, which the previous film that I directed, uh, that Dan and Duncan worked in the camera department as well. Uh, that was a four day shoot. That was much uh, much more hectic. I think you've seen the film played at White Deer last year. Um, mm. The nail that sticks out. That was much more intensive. Whereas Dead Air just. Yeah, it was four days, but I, it was just perfectly scheduled by our AD, Migler. And, you know, we never felt rushed. Um, we had kind of like the perfect amount, perfect amount of time to be able to get what we wanted without having to cut scenes or wrap scenes early bef mm. uh, before we got kind of what we wanted. So yeah, it was four days. The first night was a late one. I think it was about six till two in the morning. And then the rest of the days were a bit of a breeze, really. Like we, you know, we had our crew that we love to work with that made, mm. makes it, mm. you know, when you're on set, if you get along with everyone and everybody knows how each other works, it, it just kind of flew by really. Mm. No, brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit about uh, kind of the dynamics of the team a little bit, but because um, obviously one unusual thing about your team is that the fact that there's two um, like co-directors of photography and things like that. Um, but very briefly, you mentioned that you work together uh, doing more corporate things. Um, this is something that we as a three have tried in the past and, and done a little bit of, but I think you guys are, are a lot more established than we are in, in that being um, kind of the main thing that you do as a team um i mean is it something that you've you've all always wanted to do or were you did you get into it because of a desire to be creative filmmakers um or a happy accident either way and things like that or how did that setup come about um i think it's it's probably a slightly different story for each of us um yeah i since graduating i've always sort of been in that um that corporate sort of video space um from from graduating really um i quickly sort of moved away from broadcast um because i just love doing a bit of everything um, and i think that's really mm -hmm. important in the corporate world um so duncan and i started crosscut uh, in, in 2016 mm -hmm. and jordan joined the team uh 2018 was it jordan 17 17 oh. 18, yeah, 18 maybe. Yeah, so Jordan's been with us for, uh, for well, what seems like a, a really long time now as well. Um, but I think we've, uh, whilst Jordan was working with us, um, he was also studying a MA in international film production. Uh -huh. um, and as you previously mentioned, um, he brought us on to the nail that sticks out as sort of the camera department uh, to help out in the camera department. And... I think really for me and Duncan, having worked in corporate production for quite a long time, um, we suddenly got this bug. Really, um, you know, we'd, we'd done uh, we'd done drama and and sort of more creative projects in the past, um, but I think we'd had a few too many years of just doing corporate, um, and suddenly being back on a film set was like, wow, this is this is awesome. Um, you know, let's let's try and do a bit more of this. Um, mm. So then the three of us sort of put our heads together um, and we created the brand Fishbulb Films, um, mm. which uh, we were really lucky in getting support from Creative England in launching um, nice. last year. Yeah. Uh, and Dead Air was sort of the first production that we did under that brand sort of officially. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's sort of become 
the main thing that we showcase now when we're sort of seeking funding opportunities and and mm. stuff on that more creative side. Mm, brilliant, brilliant. That's a really interesting. Um, it's I think just hearing like what you you've sort of said there, uh, it seems like the, your approach to things. I know it might be slightly different with you, Jordan. I'm not sure if you were coming in uh, as, as strictly more of a creative um, aspect, but you'll definitely find a lot of um, filmmakers, uh, independent filmmakers that kind of have an idea to set up a production company and then they think, oh, well, what? Then they're trying to search for funding and things like that. And um, you guys seem to have done done that and done it really well and have and had it kind of really established from having a team mindset maybe a more business mindset maybe that's helped in certain ways but um yeah i mean that's really interesting actually uh is it a similar sort of thing for you jordan uh, have you come in uh, from more of a creative background would you say yeah yeah mm. when i was um at uni studying film um i was focusing on kind of film production um and always enjoyed directing and that's kind of always what I've done and I'd made a few shorts um while I was at uni and for like my fa like major final projects and things like that mm. um but with doing that the, the course that I was actually doing wasn't kind of solely based in production it was much more of an academic degree mm. so I was having to I found that production was what I actually wanted to do and I had to kind of teach myself how to make things because that wasn't a part of the degree really um, mm. or a major part of it. So I kind of honed my skills just making things, um, doing multi, you know, different roles. Uh, so when I came to Crosscut, I kind of, you know, ideal for the corporate world, you know, I, I can direct, but I can, I can shoot, I can edit, mm. you know, I can, nice. you know, you have, yeah. you have to have all of the skills in um, corporate to be able to kind of do every part of the production, which all, I think also helps me, as a director because I understand every department and I can talk to yeah. people in each department, um, you know, on their level in terms of kind of like technical expertise, obviously they'll be, they'll have more expertise, but I understand the process. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I did come from more of a creative background, but I mean, you guys all know it's, you know, it's difficult to earn a living straight out of uni, um, <laughs> trying to make films yeah. and, you know, corporate film production offers you that kind of um, hmm. stability as a job um, while still being able to do something that's related to what you want to do. And yeah, like Dan and Duncan said, you know, once they came onto the set of The Nail, um, we all was just, you know, corporate's great, but we need these creative mm -hmm. outlets to be able to yeah. Yeah, put I'd all of this that. creativeness and, you know, run our own kind of show because when you're working for clients, you know, you have to, you know, you're working to briefs and all this kind of stuff. Whereas when we get to make films, you know, we work in, in a much more creative kind of dynamic way where we can mm. bring different parts of our skill sets to the table, which is really exciting. Mm. Awesome. awesome. For um, uh, you guys, Duncan, Dan, as um, uh, now that uh, you've moved into creative films, is this the, the long-term goal to be sort of involved in, create films over corporate perhaps i believe like as dan mentioned before like we uh well he left the university and tried to uh get into more of the corporate world but i think that i think everyone's real interest um if they're honest is uh, when they're making films 
is the more creative aspects of it. You're not going to be more interested in the corporate side. So I think Crosscut will always be there and it, uh, it will be always be our bread and butter. But I feel like that will be the that is where all three of us are wanting to head. We're wanting to head mm. towards making more short films uh, on higher budgets, apply for funding, um, find out how we can get further in the process into maybe feature films or miniseries or getting our work just out there to for more people to be to see. Mm. Yeah, and I think just to add to that as well, it's it's sort of influencing our choices in the sort of projects that we're taking on within the corporate side as well. So we're we're trying to push ourselves to do sort of what you would call the more creative projects within the creative side. So less sort of talking heads and things like that and more branded content. Um, stuff for broadcast and things like that which um, is obviously using skills that we are sort of practicing and perhaps trying for the first time whilst creating these short films where we have no one to answer to and then we're sort of proving things to ourselves and going okay well we can do that and we you know we know that we can do that now so we'll offer it as a as a service to clients Um, Hmm. so I think even though it seems very sort of two-sided having the corporate side and the creative side, actually, as things move on, they will become more um, conjoined, really. Um, obviously, still separate in many ways, but um, it's just sort of as we move forward, um, everything should hopefully, touch wood, uh, <laughs> become more creative. Mm. Have you ever had um, clients come to you because they've seen one of your narrative films? We've had, um, since we launched Fishball, we've had a couple of clients who we've previously worked with doing the really, really corporate stuff um, yeah. come to us and say, oh, actually, we want something a little bit more narrative. Um, the, the go-to phrase is always, we want something like the John Lewis Christmas advert, um, to which yeah. we always say, do you have that sort of budget or <laughs> do we need to be really creative with how we, how we do that? And um, so we've had a couple of projects where, uh sort of fishbulb as a brand has brought in brought in the money really which has been really nice um to see especially as we sort of launched it as something that we just create these low budget short films under initially um mm. nice um i mean i'm i'm still quite amazed that I mean, it's not the, the first short film we did, and obviously we um, had the pleasure of watching uh, the previous film that was submitted to us as well, um, which is very different as well. But I'm just kind of astonished that, um, especially for a, a couple of you that are just in the team, uh, that it, you are coming into the more creative side and producing content such as Dead Air, and it's really, really, really good. The writing was really on point, which um, and just the concept as well. I think that's that's the main thing with shorts is keeping that concept really, really tight and really um, experimental, I guess. Um, but for for uh, you know uh, Duncan and, and Dan, um, kind of for, for one of the first major creative things that you've done it's really good and it really should reinforce that that is um very impressive and as well for you jordan like um i the just the overall outcome of of everything it's uh i think for me what stood out was just the 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 character of the film especially and and the fact that it um 
literally everything fit in and it worked like clockwork in regards to kind of the the tone of the film um, and the performance. So just a great job in terms of seeing that from a, an overarching point of view. Um, but I can certainly imagine that, I mean, you must have put everything in because because it is such a different avenue for you and the fact that you do, do need that creative outlet. So you may as well use the, 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 the talents that you do have in regards to getting um, the basics really good because obviously you've got those skills and then just really going all out and making it the best that you, you possibly can. And it, it, I'm, I must reinforce that the, the result is pretty phenomenal. Um, so... Yeah, and the beauty of it is that people can actually watch this because it is on Amazon right now, um, which we don't often get the luxury to, to do that because usually the films are locked behind closed doors because of festival circuits and things like that. But I would highly recommend that people go and watch this because it is just really a really good watch, uh, even if it's just for, for entertainment, not even for the, the quality of like the technical quality. It's just a really good, um, entertaining film to watch. Uh, yeah, but, if, you, if you're not nerds yeah. like us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'll refer to my colleagues that might want to go into a bit more of the technical side with you guys. Um, but... I'm sure he talks cinematography. <sighs> how, uh, yeah. how, so how was it, like, co-DPing? Uh, what were the conversations that you were having before and how did you kind of keep a consistent um, visual between... I think um, as Jordan, is it Jordan or maybe Duncan? What one of you previously mentioned <laughs> that sort of in pre-production, um, you know, we took on a very, very collaborative approach. And I think right from the offset, we all had a very clear vision of sort of aesthetically how we wanted it to look. Um, and again, just going back to the fact that we work closely together on so many projects throughout the year, yeah. um, working between me and Duncan was. It, it just second nature really um we didn't really have anything where one of us thought one thing and the and one of us thought the other um i think we just we just had a very very clear idea of exactly how we wanted to do it um to an extent the budget sort of dictated how much we could do as well uh, mm. which is always sort of a big factor to consider uh so we um we already knew what we were going to be shooting on um we knew what lighting we had available we knew what the locations were um and sort of those three things did i wouldn't say dictated it completely to us but um it's definitely had a quite a big factor in those decisions that we made but we were also really lucky because we had access to the locations before production started so we could go around and we could decide exactly what we wanted to do in advance um, and we had full lighting plans sorted um, you know before production even started uh, which was a real luxury mm. yeah I'll just add to that obviously working as Dan's mentioned we pretty much just we work, we've worked together for so many years now we've known each other since we were 13 12, 13, and so we've worked with each other for uh, for over half our lives. Too long. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and so working with, uh, as joint DP, maybe it's, obviously it is quite unusual. Um, part of it is just the necessity of doing a low-budget film where we trust ourselves to 
be uh, to do sort out the lighting, to sort out the camera department. Um, but um, we might not have as many hands on deck to help us. Might be uh, first AC or uh, spark or anything. So we're just gonna have we just have to assist each other. So there might be which we, we as Dan mentioned, pre-production is where it was really nailed down of how this film will look and how we will shoot and how the film will be shot. So it might be a case of I'll be on camera uh, for these two scenes um, at, whilst Dan sorts out the lighting for the next scene and so on and so forth. So we we just needed to really, yeah. Oh, I mean, conversation, like t- t- chatting to each other, making sure we're everyone's on the same page is obviously key as well. But being able to tell the other one to... Uh, Try and find a polite way of saying it, but telling the other, other person that they're that they're that they're on the wrong wavelength uh, and they need to reconsider, reconsider their ideas is uh, a polite way of saying that. Is um, yeah, we uh, we we we're, we're very thick skinned when it comes to our ideas. We're happy to to uh, chat about uh, what, what basically the best idea for the overall film. Mm. Excellent. I guess we we've uh, i guess the the experience then in um in pre-production of you guys all sitting together and and working it all out and and making it work uh we've kind of been uh, lucky enough on our most recent film to have basically this the same kind of process where um we've got writer director dp um one of the key actors we had uh, and um and editor as well like all in this in those early conversations i think then um it kind of it does mean that on set it can run really smoothly and and uh, work quite nicely i think that it's been the first one that we've done completely like that um and i think it's it's worked really nicely so it sounds like you guys have had the same kind of um, experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that the more time you spend on something, kind of, the, just it will just get better? So obviously, with us, we spent so much mm. time in pre-production during during periods where we were uh, we were in the office anyway, and we thought, whilst something's rendering out, we'll just have a chat. Um, it's yeah. just, yeah. Do you, did you also find that? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But we. Um, in pre-production for what like six months worth of stuff um and then in between various shoot days we were just constantly just talking about it and it varied from what equipment we we're going to use to what what this means narratively and things like that just because it's nice to talk about and especially amongst friends um it, and we were really kind good. of in the same room as each other anyway for for, mm. for that kind of other reason like you say because we were um kind of having a meeting to do with the festival and then uh, could kind of like tag on to the end of that a conversation about uh, a record player that we needed to buy for the film as a prop and things like that so um yeah it's uh, it's something i've not really thought about before but just like being there and when an idea pops up it must um like i've worked with other directors before where you're not kind of um, where maybe you have like three meetings before you shoot and you kind of got to pack everything into those kind of like two or three hours that you have um, each each time you meet up. And uh, you've got to really quickly in that sense 
find um, common ground and find how you're going to communicate with uh, with the director between as a DP director kind of conversation. And there's always like a big learning curve um, on set. Kind of you spend at least the first half day working things out and seeing how things go. But um, but you guys must have just I guess that might be also helping to the fact of why you say that the four day shoot was a pretty easygoing kind of experience because you knew what you needed to do. There was no uh, getting used to each other. You just you just had the task and you just got on with it. Yeah, it was it was ideal for me because it's like I said, with Simon not having any real acting experience, I knew that the majority of my time on set needed to be spent with Simon working on performance. So being able to have everything laid out before we got onto the set and you know, it's just like you say, I'd be sat in, we'd be sat in the office and we'll be rendering something out and something'll come to my mind in terms of like the tone of a scene or something I want to like capture in a scene. And I'll just say it to Dan and Duncan and then 10 minutes later, they'll be like, well, why don't we shoot it like this? And, you know, instantly you just got that kind of communication. And then when we were on set, because everything was storyboarded, everything, all the lighting designs were done because we just work together constantly. We have a shorthand. We'd, finish, we'd wrap a scene. I'd go and sit with my script super to go through the notes. And then 15 minutes later, my the first AD is coming over to me and saying, no, we're ready for the next scene. And I even even had to be on set to, you know, check cameras where the lighting is, you know, to make because we just know that everything's where it needs to be because we've mm. planned it, we've worked on it, and we worked together, you know, really seamlessly. So I just got to spend the majority of my time working with Simon, which, as a director, is what you want to do on set. You know, mm. that should be the main part of your job is working with the actors. How yeah. do you think that then went on uh, with um, with having? you Dan as the editor um there kind of throughout pre-production and production um do you think that's kind of enhanced things as well yeah definitely I think um because I when I was sort of going to uni uh I wanted to be an editor that was like my end goal uh mm. and then uh so I did a course specifically in post-production and then uh, by the end of that three years I thought I don't want to stay in dark rooms for the rest of my life um, and, and sort of picked up a camera again. Um, so that the editing process for me has always been really, really ingrained in everything that I do, um, you know, right from start to finish. So I'm looking at everything with an idea of how it's going to sit within the edit. Um, so, yeah, just having uh, having so much pre-production time was just amazing because it meant that, you know, I could work out sort of how it was going to, how it was going to sit in the edit. Um, and then obviously during the, during the days when I was editing it, Jordan was just always there, uh, which for some editors is an absolute nightmare having the director over their shoulder <laughs> the whole time. Um, but actually it was really nice because he sort of left me to it until I was like, okay, Jordan, come and have a look at this. What do you think? You know, I'd also get Duncan in because he was also there. So from his perspective, um, he could have a look at it. So um, it was a really nice process. And there was only probably a few things where I was really fighting my corner for one decision and the others were having none of it. Um, and it ended up as it is now. Uh, but generally, it was a really, really nice process um, in, in post-production. I think there's something okay. to be said for... Um 
for DPs having an understanding of the edit. Um, and we were talking to uh, another DP uh, about this kind of thing and, and how um, how kind of you can uh, you, you can maybe shoot more for the edit because that's what you do for for corporate stuff there's yeah. maybe less um less that you kind of uh, less coverage in a way maybe um on, on our sets that's definitely the the point that we were kind of discussing uh with the guys on um the film chamomile uh, that we 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 were both agreeing that we don't really shoot a load of kind of wides and coverage if we know that we're going to cut to a certain bit, a certain person at a certain place, then um, mm. that's kind of how we do it. And I, th I think that there may be something to do with the kind of corporate background. Uh, is that something that you found as well? Yeah, definitely. I think you, you end up sort of, in a way, working backwards. Um, you think about how you want the end product to be. Um, and then you, like you say, you, you don't go and shoot everything you possibly can you know exactly what shots you need for how long um and that's again back to the pre-production um you know everything was storyboarded and we knew exactly uh what what shots we wanted for when in a scene um what focal lengths we needed um no one on set ever said let's fix it in post um because <laughs> that would be um well it, out. <laughs> it, it wouldn't go well yeah so, uh, so um i think it was it was really good to to sort of be there as an editor um right from the start even though and i think it was probably probably a semi-conscious maybe an unconscious thing of of thinking about the edit a lot of the time um because it is just such second nature uh and like you say with corporate you do very much shoot for the edit um, and with us all doing a lot of corporate work, perhaps we didn't even think of it that way. Perhaps we just thought, you know, this is what we need, so let's shoot it. Um, and that's probably why the the actual production days were so nice and laid back as well, is because we weren't fretting over getting as much coverage as we possibly could because we knew that we didn't need it. Did you ever feel like you needed anything in the edit that you hadn't shot, or were you all, all good? I think we did one pickup after the shoot, uh, which was just, I think it was something on one of the screens in the studio, um, just because it felt it just something was needed to give a little bit of a clarification or a bit of context. Um, so yeah, it was one pickup, uh, <laughs> but see if you can spot it. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, it's, uh, invisible. <laughs> I definitely um, didn't notice anything. No, <laughs> I didn't notice anything. Good. Uh, Al, are you back with us? And if so, I, I, have a I don't know. Can you hear me? We can I hear, can you, hear yeah. you. I think you uh, might be frozen. Yeah, frozen. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> if I'm frozen, that's fine. We're not doing visuals this time. <laughs> um, no, this one was actually for um, uh, you, John, you, Duncan. Um, obviously, um, majority of filmmakers we speak to. Um, especially directors have normally had to write their own material to then go on and direct it essentially. Um, but obviously in this case, writer, director, it was a split role for you guys. So 
Jordan, I think my question for you would be, um, and one I think people are quite interested to hear, is uh, almost what is it like to direct uh, material written by somebody else? Uh, and Duncan, from your point of view, what was it like sort of having your script and interest in that to Jordan uh, to deliver on it creatively? Um, I think, so I completely know what you mean, because when I, when I started out, I was having to write my own stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not a writer. You know, I, you know your strengths. <laughs> Writing isn't mine. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's the second film I've directed that I haven't written, um, The Nail being the first one. Yeah. And I love it, honestly. I, I love coming to a script. Um, it was different with The Nail because I wasn't involved with um, the creation of the story. Um, the script came to me after that, so I, I read the script kind of fully formed, um, which I really enjoy because, uh, again, going back to corporate and you know being an editor myself, when I read a script, I, I read it in shots. You know, I, I can visually see where my cuts are, like how I want to tell the story visually. Um, so being able to just come to a, a script straight off and be able to read it like that and see it in my head as a film rather than having to have spent months, you know, taking scenes out, rearranging things, changing dialogue. Um, this was a bit different with Dead Air because they say we all had a hand in creating the story and then Duncan took that and put it down on paper and kind of created the nuances of it. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. I, I love that kind of collaborative kind of, it, it's difficult with some people because some writers are really precious about the material and, you know, they still, like the harsh reality of the film industry is like once you've written your script and it's passed over to a producer or director, it's not really your script anymore. And that's a really difficult thing for some people to kind of get their head around. Um, but with The Nail, I was really lucky um, that wasn't an issue, you know, it was completely trusted by the writer to um, kind of enact their vision, but along with mine and working together with this one, because we'd written it to get sort of written the story together. Um, it was, yeah, we, there was just from, from the outset, it was just instantly, you know, would read a scene. I'd just be like, Oh, this is what I'm thinking for this scene. This is how I'd want to shoot it. And then Dan and Duncan had, kind of take that on board and come back with different ideas and be like, okay, so we'll take that. And how about if we light it in this way, we change these shots around to this to kind of emphasize this point. And it was just collaborative from the, from the get go. So it was different with dead air. Um, but in general, I love taking a script that I haven't written that I wasn't involved in the creation of, and then being able to put my own stamp on it and my own voice into it. Um, which I think is like a really exciting thing as a director to be able to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. just to answer your question, uh, Alistair. Um, obviously, as Jordan has just been saying, like um, he, him and Dan have been were heavily involved in the creation of the of this story. Um, I, it was, and I was the one who just put it down on paper and added probably quite a few silly jokes and or some jokes which might have just not been noticed at all, but it made me laugh. Um, so that was the main thing because um, I, I suppose that was the main process for writing it was uh, I was putting in quite a, as much kind of comedy as I could and then Dan and uh, Jordan could just pull back on that as much as they wanted because um, we had so after the first draft um, we um, brought it into the uh, pre-production um, like meeting room and we just had a chat about it and we pulled back on certain things certain things 
either were too silly or too uh, or they just or they just didn't work if what once I was explained about kind of I don't know maybe in my head that was funny but maybe on paper <laughs> or on screen that is not really funny. As, um, which I'm just going to ask which one of you has a vendetta against Coldplay <laughs> well um, oh. I'll say that it, it's probably me but it's probably just I actually quite like Coldplay but I think it's just left over I from if you remember never mind the Buzzcocks they would have mm. a go at them pretty much every episode yeah. Um, yeah. and so I was just I just thought who's a really easy target Coldplay <laughs> U2, Ed Sheeran, things like that. And so they've all got yeah. references uh, to how uh, to their type of music. But I would say I mean, it's very funny, very funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate Coldplay. Um, and I think, because <laughs> that wasn't a part of the discussion we'd had previously. So when Duncan brought the script in and that was there, I thought, oh, brilliant. Cause, and I said to him, I think we had a conversation, it's like, Coldplay's the perfect band for this, but it could also be Nickelback. You know, you know it's, yeah, yeah. it could be one of those yeah. two. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of have a vendetta against Coldplay. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, well, it, yeah, that worked for me. And uh, very clever, the, the name that you titled their song with. Um... <laughs> Isn't this city full of stars and love? <laughs> <Exactly. Yeah. laughs> Again, that was one of those silly jokes, which I was just like, right, yeah. it will make them... Both Dan and Jordan laugh in the room, but will it work, work outside that or further <laughs> along once we've heard it 20, 30 times? Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Um, I mean, we haven't got a lot long uh, left, guys. just want to very briefly, if we can, touch on... Um, we've, we have sort of already discussed this, um, but uh, just a final point from you, Dan, regarding art direction. Um, mm -hmm. Is this something that you've, you've done a lot before? At all. Uh, no, I've never had anything to do with it before. Um, it literally how, just comes down to the, <laughs> to the fact that uh, yeah, we no one else was could do it. Uh, so Fair enough. I decided um, to well, I sort of assumed the role because I could get my hands on most of the props, um, okay. and then from that stemmed sort of hours in the office soldering stuff to make flashing lights in the background mm. and um, I created the horrendous brand that is Cosmic FM um, well. <laughs> and it, it was just really nice to uh, well nice in a sort of awful way to uh, sort of bring that that brand to fruition and, and get it printed out on like a big sign and mm. um, on a mug and things like that um so yeah I've, i'd never done any sort of art direction before probably never will ever again <laughs> um not to say that i didn't enjoy it but uh, as jordan said earlier you sort of play to your strengths and it was just a necessity really based on budget um and yes i did really enjoy it but uh yeah i, I probably wouldn't take on that role again Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it, it came over, and the attention to detail with the mug. I mean, it's like one of the first shots as well. So, just from there, you know, it's going to be uh, a quality film. <laughs> um, so, a final well done from me, just for that, really. Um, yeah, unfortunately, guys, we are. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I don't have, have you guys had a chance to write anything else during this kind of potential quiet mm, yeah. months? Um, we again. I don't think any of us would class ourselves solely as writers. So um, we've got a couple of projects in the works that we're really excited about. Um, we've just kind of finished a funding application for a short called Funland, uh, which is written by 
uh, my first assistant director, uh, funnily enough. It's about a rundown northern seaside town, and I, probably from my voice you can tell I'm northern. Um, <laughs> so it's it's like a, I've got like a personal connection to this, this story, and I think we're all really excited about visually what we could do with this. So hopefully that's going to be our next project. And then we've got a project called Burning Books, which is written by Jess Green, who's a poet, um, playwright, screenwriter based in the uh, based in Leicester who's um yeah she's incredible she she does a lot of very political stuff um and she's it, it was a play burning books uh, and it's all the country and it's about kind of like the teaching crisis and austerity um and we're lucky enough that she's kind of allowed us to adapt it uh, for the screen so we're working with her at the minute to adapt the stage play to a screenplay and we've got a producer on board so that's kind of later next year is when we're hoping to kind of uh secure the funding for that and move forward with that one sounds good excellent yeah that sounds really good um how can people keep in uh, contact with you guys and, and follow you uh, on your uh future projects so uh all of our uh socials are at fishbulb films uh, which is the name of the production company as dan mentioned mm-hmm. earlier um and so yeah we post um, as much as we can about upcoming projects, about um, uh, behind the scenes uh, interviews with direct, with uh, other actors or directors, or uh, we do little biogs on certain um, people in the industry as well. So if you head to our website, we'll, we've got stuff like that, as well as um, little synopsis of each project that we're involved in, whether it be a corporate project which Fishbowl has had a hand in or more creative uh, short film like uh, the, nail, the, the Nail That Sticks Out or um, Dead Air. Yeah. And on there there's, you know, there's quite fun behind the scenes videos for a lot of the projects that we do so you can kind of see as how we work on set together and things like that which you know people seem to enjoy watching. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I've already got it on my my uh, laptop ready to have us dig into. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, that's, um, unfortunately, we have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Uh, but I wouldn't mind um, just maybe getting a couple of, well, all of you back on again in the future just to keep track of how things are going. Um, having watched Dead Air and The Nail That Sticks Out, uh, the films that you make are just extremely fresh, extremely original. Um, and uh, a, a pleasure to watch, really. Uh, so, if you wouldn't mind, we'll, we'll love to have you back in the future. Uh, maybe go into a bit more detail about uh, you individually and things like that. But um, yeah, yeah, thanks yeah, so of course. much. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. Awesome. really good chatting to you guys. Thanks for listening to that episode uh, of the White Deer Filmmaking Podcast. Um, I mean, my uh, my catchphrase. That was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> why does why do I always sound so sarcastic? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's the nature of a catchphrase, isn't it? At some point in your life, it's going to end up being sarcastic. Yeah, but I genuinely mean it. Well, well, yes, yeah, they, it was really interesting. Yeah, and they were, and they were interesting guys. <laughs> yeah, they were very. And I liked speaking to them. Yeah, absolutely, um, and. I feel that it definitely got really exciting towards the end. Um, unfortunately, due to my poor scheduling, um, we couldn't chat to them for a bit longer. So I would like to talk to them again in the future um, to delve a bit deeper into them as individuals and to go into it a bit more. 
Um, and they are just based just down the road yeah. from us. So, so hopefully it'll be I'm in sure. person. Yeah, hopefully yeah. we can we can do that at some point. Yeah, that'd be really good. That'd After really good. the old COVIDs mm. goes for sure goes away for sure. Um, but as we've mentioned uh, in the discussion, for one of the first times ever, you can actually watch this film. Um, it is on Amazon. You can watch it right now, and please do it is an incredibly creative film uh they've thought about it quite thoroughly um even down to and this is a very small nugget of interest for i think both of us because we like being efficient with um visuals but like the opening credits are very well done they use the the scenery and everything and really bring you into the tone straight away alongside the score uh, very effectively so a really good effort from them there and I actually wanted to delve a little bit more into that but we never got around to it so you'll see what I mean it's quite um, imaginative yeah yeah um, and uh, I guess all that's left to say is go and watch that check out their uh, production company's website um, both uh, both corporate and um, and narrative filmmaking, uh, both sides, uh, Crosscut and Fishbulb. Um, really interesting stuff that they do mm-hmm. on both of those. Um, and yeah, we'll hopefully chat to them again at some point and, uh, and we'll chat to you again mm. next week. Yes. Uh, and we say chat because this is supposed to be a two-way conversation, everybody. Um, you are more than welcome to message us, comment on uh, our social media posts, email, um, ring us. We should say <laughs> you need how to. to actually... I mean, I trust that people know well. how to to get to get hold of our email address because it's, it's on the website. But we should probably say the website, the website is <laughs> yeah. whitedeerfest.com. Dot co dot uk. Yes, and there is Simple, also really. a www dot before that, just in, for anyone that wasn't aware. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's mm. you don't need that these days. No, it's all about efficiency. Um, as but if we, you want to email, that's podcast okay. at whitedeerfest.co.uk. The, the running theme is White Deer Fest. Yeah, it's part of the brand. It is. It is. Um, but yeah, it, it is quite simple. Um, if you can remember the website from there, you can access basically everything. Um, if you can't as well, uh, Tell you there's t- this new invention <laughs> called Google. You can yeah. just Google us and exactly. I'm sure we'll come up. But I was going to say, if you can't access something because you can't find it, let us know. But how do they let us know if you can't find it? That's why we told them the email yeah. just now. Um, we, I mean, we could... If someone really wants, we can send them a link to the website. Uh, if they email us, yeah, I'll just we, Google idea international film. I would prefer that. I think I, I uh, think that's best. But have we spent the last two minutes saying what most people will have known already? Yeah, but um, but I, when I was editing last week's, um, I was conscious of us saying that uh, you can email us. Yeah, but not giving the email address out. So well, we've done is. that in a terribly laborious way this so week. if you're listening to last week's episode make sure to listen to this one too yeah yes they go it's, they go hand in hand it's a terrible teaser <laughs> that you can 
listen yeah. in for next week's episode where you'll <laughs> we find that email address. address actually is um but we've got social media uh, as well and that's that can yes, be found in do. the same kind of fashion mm-hmm. white we, beer fest on uh, oh for sure everything twitter instagram facebook myspace um, bebo uh yeah maybe i haven't done it have you? <laughs> <laughs> um all of the big ones anyway yeah. um yeah. so i think people can find us now um and I also think most people have turned off by now, so we should probably okay. stop. We should. Um, goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>